let's try and break something down. <laughs> let's break anything down. Let's get involved. Goodness gracious, it's actually pretty hard to maintain a podcast, a family, a job, everything. Hashtag facts. <laughs> facts, facts. facts. Rough two weeks. <laughs> Sorry, audience. Super apologetic for this one. We are a little bit late. We're not going to get you a preview episode. Hopefully, you stay tuned on the website and through Twitter. Got our picks and everything out there for you. But myself, Lemmings, and Jay Will, we are back with an episode. We wanted to cover the stage four changes. But obviously, at this point, you guys should be pretty aware of the changes. We'll give you our spin on them and kind of take a look at how how they how we thought they were going to turn out and then how they actually did play out in week one so week one is technically in the books this one is being recorded on july the 30th well let's kick it off with a jay will how are you doing doing all right buddy uh obviously like you said we're a little behind a little exhausted but uh good news i uh, have been approved to work from home three days a week so that's a bright side in the last you know two weeks worth of things that have happened to me um, so I will at least be able to get a little more sleep on a regular basis. Booyakasha. I, uh, took a trip out of town, did the second Spartan, the middle Spartan. It was an epic disaster. <laughs> was it? <laughs> nah, it was, uh, so we're talking eight, 8.6 miles, 2,100 feet of elevation change. Everything from running through a river to, running through i called it death valley it was basically a gigantic rock quarry oh no so, thank you yeah it was it was a, a wide and vast array of of terrain but uh we powered through we made it through probably about 250 burpees deep mm. Mm. here we are at the end. <laughs> so now you know why we weren't able to record <laughs> i couldn't lift my arms above my shoulder he could not move the mouse to click anything it's hard it's so hard <laughs> All right, you are listening in to the Let's Break It Down podcast. This is episode number 42. Today, we are going to be discussing the stage four changes and how we felt about them. And before we get into too much of that, Farah has lots of good things on her radar. Jay Will kicking off this news segment. It was all the talk. It was all the rage. We speculated. We rumored. We were up, we were down, we were in, we were out. We thought it was going to happen. We thought it might not happen. The teams thought it was going to happen. The teams thought it might not happen. But here it is. Stage four implemented the 2-2-2 two, two, two roll lock. Every Overwatch League team, when they play their matches, can field two tanks, two supports, and two TB... Do, huh, whoa. <laughs> two <Pause>. DPS characters. <laughs> You can cannot switch within a map, but you can switch between maps. It's a lot. Uh, obviously, the biggest change is the elimination of the awkward compositions we had or compositions we had started to see to counter the three three. Three three is no longer a viable composition. Uh, we've lost the three two one sombra. We've lost the four one one, whatever you want to call it. We've lost a lot of, of fun creative compositions, but. The Vancouver 5-1. Right, the Vancouver 5-1 being the best of the bunch, obviously. Easy. <laughs> but it's probably a good thing for the league, uh, as we'll talk about when we get into the week one recall. 
probably, you know, creates a little more balance across the league because there have been multiple times where you've talked about a team and their their DPS players on like Widowmaker or Tracer or Genji being, you know, very, very good at those heroes, but were stuck within the 3-3 meta and they couldn't play them. So it kind of hamstrung them a little bit. And so maybe we see a few more teams kind of rise closer to the, the cream of the crop. They're not going to necessarily be the best automatically, but they're going to start competing with the better teams and you're going to start having to, you know, question like who's going to actually win this matchup as opposed to what we had had for a while, which was, you know, okay, Vancouver, San Francisco are playing, just lock them in. If they get beat, then they get beat, but that's going to be a, a major upset. Uh, stage three brought us some really cool upsets, which was great all the same, but it's it's going to probably happen a lot more going forward with the 2-2-2 lock. This is the Overwatch League attempting to stay with what the Overwatch game is going to be doing. And for the Overwatch game, 2-2-2 roll lock was absolutely required. It was... Mm-hmm. There is no longer any way to amicably balance out competitive play in Overwatch League. It's just not possible. After having been playing it, certainly not nearly as many hours as other people, but I have been playing competitive Overwatch League. And when you get into it and it's just, there is no genuine way to say, did, you know, when you queued up, you thought you were going to play Reinhardt, Reinhardt gets locked. You know, you thought you were going to play main tank. All the tanks are taken up. The tanks that you wanted to play are taken up. The tanks you're decent at playing are taken up. And so you end up playing a DPS character you didn't want to play or something like that. It throws the SR off. It throws everything else within the match completely off. Because they had no way of knowing what you were going to end up playing when you got in. Right. So you have the overall SR. From an Overwatch game perspective, this had to happen. And frankly, from an Overwatch League perspective, if you're going to stick with the game, this obviously was impending. And so now you have now you also have a better opportunity to balance hero the actual heroes within the game as well because you're probably always going to balance against what your competitive capability is going to be doing. I'm imagining that a, a, a huge percentage of the the dedicated full time players of Overwatch League play competitive. Obviously, numerically speaking, I'm sure Quick Play probably has a greater player base just because it's easier to hop in and get in there and, and do something. And, a lot of people like to do it without having a hit to their rank, but you're going to balance the game to what you're seeing in competitive because that's kind of where the game should go, and that this is all the two 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 roll lock enables you to do that. And yeah, it's going to eliminate the creativity, the freedom that people had to run three three four one one five one six zero oh, oh <laughs> um, whatever it is that you wanted. Uh, but in terms of 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 that. This is what had to happen. What I dislike about it intensely is the manner in which it's being done at the time in which it's being done to the Overwatch League. So it's not being done on the roll queue patch. It's being implemented in stage four of a season that's 75% completed at a time when we no more than ever before had seen people shifting away and being more creative with their compositions. From those perspectives, I dislike it. Do I know that this is where the Overwatch League... Well, it doesn't matter whether I like it or whether I believe that this is where it should go or not. This is where it's going to go. So I'm either on board or I'm just not going to watch Overwatch League. I still love Overwatch League. Week one proved it to me that I still enjoy watching the product, the final product. So... You know, this is this is where it is. I just I, I just severely dislike from a player's perspective, 
from a team building perspective, from all these perspectives, this just seems like rushed in at the last minute to address a problem that really, frankly, didn't 100% exist anymore. Yeah, I I fully agree with the timing issue. This is the same conversation we had at the start of this year when we discussed the the manner and timing in which they added uh, Bridget into the game in season one, which was going into stage four. And we were like, hold up, like, why would you change the game that much in the very last stage, you know, before whatever, before your season playoffs? I, I'm the other side of it is yes, that we had started to see more teams venture away from the three three. I have more of a different view on that because it's entirely possible. And it was even stated that the league was in communication with teams and they knew that this was coming. So more teams more than likely were preparing more or less for stage four in stage three and giving up on the three, three, why practice it if it's no longer going to be there. So, you know, more teams were willing to venture outside of it and not just kind of stick with it and keep beating their heads up against the wall. But I liked some of those awkward compositions. I'm with you. I liked the the creativity that they brought. Unfortunately, that can't happen anymore. It's more or less going to be a how creative can you be within a 2-2-2 two, two, two roll lock. Uh, from the game perspective, I love it. I've been playing on nothing but the PTR since it came out. The biggest, biggest thing for me is, like you said, when you queue in, into a match and you expect that, okay – you know, I'm a silver, I'm a gold, I'm a diamond, whatever it may be. I am expecting to play my best heroes at that point, and your best heroes already got taken, so now you're screwed. But you may not be a silver, gold, platinum, diamond, whatever level player on a different role or even a specific hero. So now you're only screwing your team over, even though you're trying to do the right thing to balance out the, you know, your composition and play something that's viable. With the role lock being the way it's designed, you know, you have a different SR for each role. So going through the PTR myself, I'm a gold level support, a terrible DPS. I'm not even going to go there. But I, <laughs> I mean, but that's the beauty of it. If I want to DPS now, I can DPS against other people who are in the same, you know, right level range within their tank DPS and uh, support role. So I have a chance to to improve and have a more or less, you know, enjoyable experience as I'm trying to play a DPS character. Um, and then you know, yeah, my tank is right around high bronze, low silver, which is where I expected it to be. So I love it, though. I love the fact that when I go into a match that I know what I need to do for that match. Like I'm going in as a tank, so I have my options. I'm either going to be an off tank or a main tank. What do we have to do to make this work? Communicate with the other tank. What do you play? You know, if you're not having to worry about off five people that are in there with you, you just have to worry about the other person within your role, like how to balance this out. When when you're going into DPS, okay, you're playing a projectile, I probably should play a hit scan. And then the other side of it is when you want to go switch, especially within the DPS role, because there's so many more heroes there. When you're you come out and you realize what a team is running and you want to go switch, you're going to have that availability to switch. It's going to be there for you to make the right decision to to pick something that's going to counter whatever the other team is running and make yourself as viable as possible within your role. So I love it. I played on live, I think, I want to say Saturday night. And I just was like, this was a mistake. Like, and (laughs) like, honestly, we tried and it was like, okay, these people, this is the same. This is the exact reason why we don't queue over here anymore. So jump over back into the PTR and I'm just going to wait for that to go to the live game because it's going to be better for everybody. It certainly makes uh, individual queuing a little bit less scary. Yes, much less scary. 
All right. Well, I'm sure we will continue to dive into to roll lock as as the stage progresses and certainly into the playoffs. But coming into this stage, there was a lot of player movement, I'm sure, in anticipation of roll lock. And I think obviously just a lot of teams that need some movement. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to kind of blitz through the movements and then we'll talk about some of the key ones, ones that you think are, are critical and important. So the Washington Justice signed a European tank duo, Elevote and Lulsish, as off uh, Elevote being off tank or classified as an off tank, Lucas being classified as a main tank. Former Toronto Defiant player Stellar came out of retirement to join over on the Boston Uprising. The Seoul Dynasty's Munchkin announced that he's taking an indefinite break from the Overwatch League and is not going to compete with the team for the rest of the year. Philadelphia Fusion traded main tank Fraggy over to the Guangzhou Charge, and in return they got Kib. The Los Angeles Gladiators move Bishu to the Guangzhou Charge. He's an off-tank. And the Shanghai Dragons acquire flex support Iziaki from the Los Angeles Valiant. So we had a lot of big moves there. There's a couple that stand out to me. I think Stellar coming back to the Boston Uprising is something that the Boston Uprising needed. I don't know if he will be the DPS star that they need, but the Boston Uprising cleaned house on their DPS core at the beginning of the year, looking at a lot of 3-3, I'd imagine. And then now that they have to field DPS in there, uh, they needed somebody to complement Color Hex, who's the only person on the Boston Uprising that I know of that has been playing DPS at all. So that one was definitely key. Um, I think we all kind of expected Fraggy to be going somewhere. There a lot of stories came out that him and Carpe have some sort of personality difference or team difference or something like that, and then it would never be on the stage uh, together. And I think uh, probably the last one I really want to hit on is Iziaki going to the Shanghai Dragons. I mean, you just had a support core, Luffy and Koma that won you or were a contributing factor, a significant contributing factor to you winning a stage playoff. I'm not sure why you felt the need to bring in Iziaki, and then we'll get into this later, but we actually saw him start. Yeah, so a lot of movement uh, for this time of the year going into stage four. I mean, that's a, quite a few things changing for teams. Uh, really happy for Fraggy. Um, praise Jesus. Finally got him out of Philly where, where he wasn't going to play for various reasons. It made no sense. Um, the signing of Iziaki obviously is probably the most like shocking one, I guess. Uh, I don't even know how to really explain that. Um, you, you, you just came off a stage win and then boom, here we go. So it's, uh, it's really kind of interesting that they decided we need another player in the support role, another option, basically, as we go into the two, 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 which is probably the right call because, dating or going back to, to season one, you had many teams that actually subbed a little more frequently in between maps uh, because certain players could play specific characters that were way more relevant to the map. And they just, they were better within a character that was needed for that map or for whatever reason. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Shanghai kind of sub in and out between Luffy Koma and Iziaki. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Iziaki just stays on stage the whole time either. I mean, 
this is how fluid the game is and the league is. Things just change all the time. And when you bring somebody in, you know, here we go, bam. Puzzling one has got to be Munchkin stepping away. Uh, I would love to hear some more information regarding that. Uh, I'm assuming he's either burned out or homesick or something. But that's that's unfortunate because the Soul roster was able to kind of be super flexible. And I think this really does hurt them with the 2-2-2 being a thing. I don't know that they're going to have as much flexibility as they had before. Obviously, losing a player hurts anybody's flexibility, but I mean, they were super flexible. And I think this this limit limits them, unfortunately. So um, a lot of good movement, though. I'm really it's really kind of cool to see all these people moving around late in the season. It kind of reminded me of a, a trade deadline, you know, from the MLB season or the NBA season where teams are trying to move people because either they're not going to use them or they're trying to bring in somebody else. So it creates some some extra drama and some extra variables going into this late season push, especially for all those teams basically at this point seven through like 15 fighting for that seven through 12 play in or better because some of them can make the top six still so i think this is a good thing to have this kind of movement late in the year kind of makes me wonder if something's going on in or around this whole dynasty uh that's the second very sudden retirement that we've had from them so also had, true also true we had fissure kind of take a very quick and out of the blue completely retired and then munchkin now taking an indefinite break and is just completely not going to not going to play for stage four makes me wonder if there's maybe a, some coaching uh in differences there some general management differences there that are causing players to not want to be on the sole dynasty so might be might be an interesting storyline there to come absolutely could be a very interesting storyline if anything comes out from that some additional changes into the Overwatch League. We have a 1v1 duel during the Watchpoint show for each week. So I guess the Torbjorn 1v1, Widowmaker 1v1s have been popular enough that they decided to, to bring us more. <laughs> and so every week during Watchpoint, you're going to be seeing some 1v1 action on a random hero. I'm all for it, man. Anything just to have a little more fun going into the matches because the matches are always going to be the matches. Just it's a nice little change of pace, I think. And it even breaks up the watch point show. So they're not having to talk for an hour anymore. You know, get into yeah. the 1v1, have that, discuss that, have a little more fun on, on stage. It's a good thing. It's for the fans and that's who they should be playing towards. And last but certainly not least, and in my opinion, a requirement before you actually implemented role queue or role locking which is the fact that Sigma has been announced. He's been teased. He's been introed. Leaked. <laughs> and he had leaked, teased, introed, saw his intro, and now we actually have him on the PTR. So Sigma is, in my opinion, going to be considered a main tank. I don't think he's going to be off tank enough. He doesn't have enough mobility or utility to, to be considered an off tank, in my opinion. He's going to be main tank. And he's very centered around gravity, if you watch his intro video. And just a quick run-through on him. He's got uh, kind of a mid-range projectile, a little two-shot, 120 damage if you hit both. They can bounce once. Um, and then he has a barrier that you have to, that projects out from you, very similar to the way Symmetra is used to. But you stop it, and it actually freezes at a certain point. But management of that shield is going to be key. You have to bring it back in order to charge it back up. So you can't just leave it out there. Well, you can, but it'll break. And it actually, because it's it's quite a sizable shield, it actually takes a long time to recharge. 
And a couple of his abilities, uh, he can absorb kinetic damage or incoming damage, and he can convert that into shields. He balls up kind of a rock or a piece of earth, and he can send that out, and it's a small stun, pretty decent amount of damage. And then his ultimate is pretty awesome. It's Gravity Crush. So you actually pop it, and then you actually can fly a little bit, uh, and you're looking down, ideally, you, and you have an, an AoE circle marker where you're gra- you're you're going to make a lot of characters in there lose their gravity, and they're going to be pulled up in the air for a little bit, and then uh, they're going to be slammed back down after after a couple of seconds of being being floaty for a little bit. So pretty fun hero. I think he's going to be one of the most uh, risk versus reward tank characters in the game because every single one of his moves is a skill shot so your shield is a skill shot your rock is a skill shot your ult is a skill shot everything has to be placed put in put in position aimed and everything else you don't just get to right click and hold up your shield Um, but i think at the end of the day you know the pro players and and players who play a lot of sigma have an opportunity in a way to basically take over a game with this guy's kit so I've been playing a lot on the PTR. Obviously, that means everybody's playing Sigma every game. So you see him a lot. And while I agree he is more of a main tank than an off tank, I have seen him honestly be most effective when being run with another main tank alongside him. I know that seems weird. I know I'm not playing against high-level players, and I'm sure the pros will do a much better job with Sigma than what I'm seeing. But he intrigued me as a we-could-possibly-run-two-main-tanks type of lineup. He doesn't have a ton of mobility, no, but he does have the ability to eat those projectiles, much like a D.Va ult. You just have to make sure it's in front of you, and it has. it's not a range thing anymore like D.Va's defense matrix is. It's just as long as you're facing forward, you can eat it. I saw him, Sigma, eat a, a Blizzard the other day, so I'm sure he can eat you know, a Graviton Surge, some Deadeye stuff, and whatnot, and then obviously that converts it into your shield. And if you're good at shield management between two main tanks, it's very tough to do anything but back up as they continue to push forward because Sigma Shield just it moves without him having to be right beside it, um, and it can continuously move. And then say you have an Orisa, you know, if for whatever reason his gets low, you can drop another Orisa Shield, and then his can recharge, and you can continue to push forward. It's actually kind of a cool strategy I've seen. Um, as far as his primary fire, it's a lot more powerful than it seems, especially if you're able to land the shots on people. So I'm interested to see what any of the pros do with with the character, because if you can land shots, it's basically a ranged Reinhardt, in my opinion. I don't know what Reinhardt's hammer does off the top of my head, but he can burn through some heroes very quickly just by landing his primary fire. Um, the alt is a little tricky. You're you're vulnerable. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Farah, the rocket barrage. Obviously, she's completely stationary. He's still moving, but I mean, he's in the sky and he's completely out there available to just be burned down. Um, Using that alt would almost be beneficial to be played alongside a Zarya and get the bubble when you're ulting type deal. I think it's, I'm I'm trying to remember um, from games that I've played, I'm not sure that EMP breaks the alt. Don't hold me to that, but I feel like I've seen people ask, like, why didn't that alt break? Like, you can get him down, but the alt still goes off. So I don't know if that's a bug or not. But, um, you know, just another thing to consider. So he's going to be, he's going to, again, be something that changes, like, the season playoffs because they've talked, not talked about, they've already announced he's 
going to be joining the league come the season playoffs. So you're bringing in a new hero right as the season playoffs are kicking off. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the heck, guys? Another mistake. Yeah, tell me about it. But, I mean, it'll be another variable that teams have to prepare for and, you know, have something worked out with him. I'm interested to see who adapts to him the quickest, honestly. And that's ultimately at this point, I think that's what you just have to – when you sign up to be in the Overwatch League, I just don't think – there's no excuse anymore, right? I mean, yeah. you just have to accept the fact that there are going to be changes <laughs> at inopportune moments. They They are showing no signs of changing – how they're bringing about change into the Overwatch League. So if if you're a player, I don't think you have the right anymore to be like, oh, they're bringing in Sigma at the last minute. It's like, well, you kind of, you had to know. <laughs> it's like at this point, yeah, you have a playbook. Like, They've done it two seasons in a row. Like, guys, this a historical isn't... reference here right. and empirical evidence of the, the, if there is a change that's coming that they want to be a part of, they don't care for stages or anything else like that. Like the only thing I can think of is the change of the league schedule because I feel like most of the big changes have come out during the summer. Don't hold me to that. Like that's just yeah, how I feel. We have an aggressive patch schedule in the summer, right? So but like at you this point, it's not, it. it really actually doesn't matter because there won't be stages anymore, and they actually haven't communicated to us how they're going to address patching in in season three. Right. But there's not even stages anymore, so I don't. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they what they come up with, or if they just. In my opinion, at this point, if you're just going to bring in these changes kind of at will anyways, just roll with whatever the live game is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, especially if you don't have no stages anymore. Like if you don't, there's no like clear delineation of like this is a group of things and then this is a group of matches. Just just roll with it. Just go with, I mean, if everybody's on the same thing. Everybody's going to have to adjust to the same stuff. So just roll. I'd be all right with that. All right. So. We have discussed some good player movement. Rollock is in. Jay Will, we have, in in my personal, professional opinion, <laughs> what I what I believe to be one of the best map pools that I've that I've seen. Um, it's one of the more exciting map pools for me. It's all the good stuff that I like to see. They got rid of some of the ones that I was just not a huge fan of. So let's let's break on into it. Kicking off with the control maps, we're going to be playing Stage 4 on Ilios, Busan, and Lijiang Tower, which means that we've ditched Oasis and Nepal. Have we not had Ilios for a stage? I'm just curious. <laughs> I feel uh, like we yeah, always have it. last stage was no Ilios. Okay, so whatever. I always feel like Ilios is around, and I'm just like, oh my Oasis God. Oasis was the pretty typical kickoff one. Okay. I'm glad Busan's back. Busan's just a fun fun one at this point. Busan is fun. One of the newer ones, and I absolutely love Lijing Tower. I love playing on it. I love watching teams play on it. Absolutely. I think, uh, what is it, uh, Night Market and City Center? I can't remember if those are the actual titles, but those two rounds of the map are I really enjoy. I love those point builds because they're just like one of them is just a big circle where <laughs> yeah. like you're like, okay, guys, just try to stay here and pray for the best. The other is like this tower that's also in a circle sphere type thing, but you have areas to knock people off the map and whatnot. It's actually really kind of crazy to try to just get there safely because if you're not first to the point, it's tough to get there without <laughs> risking going off the edge to to uh, Roadhog, Lucio, if they happen to be running an Orisa, even a, a Wrecking Ball can knock you off. So, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. But I love that map. I'm glad it's back. Glad Busan's back. Ilias, eh, don't really care either way, I guess. Well, still one of the more fun maps to watch because it's like who's going to make the mistake of being in the wrong position when somebody comes around a corner or, right. uh, you know, a um, 
a halt is being thrown out. So uh, that was the good thing about Ilios when it was very three three centric. Was it was one of the few ones where people didn't want to run three three, just trying to get you know Arisa pulls or or hog pulls. So yeah, definitely. I like Ilios. I mean, because for a, a control map, it's one of the more open ones for me. Um, yeah, Ruins is still one of the best Widowmaker maps, so that's good for the two 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 roll right. lock. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Lighthouse. Lighthouse is just one of those maps. So I've seen it played a few times, and I've played it, obviously, plenty. And it's very true. You want to be the first team to the point because it's so hard to retake that just because of where the point is located and how easy it is to kind of play within the point. You don't actually have to really go outside of it. You can hide in there for quite a while, honestly. Yeah. Or there's so, a lot of chokes on the approach. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, good set of maps. Um, losing Oasis Nepal. Don't really bother me either. You know, Nepal, we've probably seen enough of at this point. Oasis, yeah. we've definitely seen enough of. But I think the control maps, they have a good balance among all of them that you're not unhappy with what you get usually. All right, well, moving into Assault, we're going to be playing on Hanamura, Volskaya Industries, and Temple of Anubis, which means, ladies and gentlemen, fans of the Overwatch League, we have gotten rid of Paris. Great. <laughs> Thank God. Praise Praise the Overwatch League management. Praise the Overwatch League rules, map sets, whoever picks the maps. Uh, we got rid of Paris. Nobody likes Paris, as far as I can tell. I don't like Paris. The pros don't like Paris. Coaches, I don't know, don't seem to like Paris. <laughs> um, it's awful. That first choke is the worst choke, I'm pretty sure, in the game. Yeah. Because there's no other way in. It's real bad in K. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it's so good thing. Well, we don't have to talk about it anymore because it's gone. We've got Hanamura, Volskaya Industries, and Temple of Anubis. Volskaya at least uh, has some definite height. Um, you can go over the choke point. You can try and play the sneaky going all the way over the left um, with either, you know, Symmetra or a hero or two who can get over there. Temple of Anubis, we've seen a lot of Temple of Anubis this season, and we'll get it back again. I just like Temple of Anubis because people seem to try a lot of fun stuff on that first point because I think most teams have accepted at this point that that first point is very difficult to full hold, so they just run something fun to see if they can actually do it. That's where we first started seeing bunker compositions even during the 3-3 the heydays. And Hanamura, I, from my perspective, honestly, this is probably kind of cheesy sounding, but it's just a really beautiful map. <laughs> I just <laughs> really like playing it. It's really pretty. Um, you know, all these assault maps have have some choke point capabilities to it so i you know i'm not really overly concerned about oh there's only this choke but um i don't know just a really just a really pretty map um i think from my perspective one of the easier maps to 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 get the full hold on that second point um but yeah this is a really good assault core for me yeah, so we didn't even discuss like the biggest change to to maps in general is they reduce the amount of time that you get after capping the first point down from four minutes to three minutes. So you're gonna see. Oh, and the uh, excuse me, the respawn timer. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say yeah, was the down respawn timer could even for the, for the defenders. So there's gonna be a lot fewer second point caps, or you know, we both cap twice and we're gonna get to points four. We're gonna get to points five. You're gonna see a lot fewer of those. Sure, are they gonna happen every now and then? Absolutely, it's just sometimes that just happens. But there's gonna be a lot fewer of those, which should also lead to much fewer draws on assault maps in general, which is really the bigger issue there. So regardless of the map, 
that was the bigger change to the assault maps in general. Uh, happy to see Paris go as is everybody else. Um, I don't Volskaya. I enjoyed Nubis. I mean, I enjoy all the assault maps. I, I dating back to TF2, I always enjoyed the attack defend maps where you had one purpose on the map, either hold the point or go get the point. You know, you're not having to go back and forth trying to do multiple things. So, um, if I were going to leave one in, obviously it would have been Horizon out of the group, but I'm not sure which one I honestly would have taken out. I just personally enjoy Horizon as a map. I really enjoy the second point in playing uh, up on the, uh, I don't even know what to call it, just basically the the sliding machinery that's up there. If you can get up there with a specific hero or two, you know, Fire can obviously get up there and just rain down rockets without ever jumping. Uh, you can get Junkrat up there. You can get Reaper up there. You can do a lot of different things. So that's why I really enjoy the map is that second point, but no argument from me on what they did choose. They're all going to be fun. They're all going to have their uh, unique qualities. And with the the rollout being here, they're going to produce some interesting results. All right. And then for hybrid, we are bringing in Hollywood, Blizzard World, and the return of King's Row. Yay. And that's going to replace Eichenwald and Numbani. I'm glad Numbani is gone. I actually... As much as I enjoy the map, I don't like it for the Overwatch League. It just never seems to to work out the way teams expect it to. But Blizzard World is is growing on me a lot, uh, especially since its initial release. So Hollywood, fun. yeah, Hollywood is just I don't know. It's just one of those maps. Like we were talking about at last stage, where like basically you had to run three three. So I'm intrigued to see what teams come up with when they do have to run Hollywood now that it's roll lock. So Kings Row. Probably one of my favorite maps overall um, out of all of them. You may see still some Zarya play because dating back to last year, that was even the one place where some people would bring out Zarya. I know the Outlaws used to bring out Spree all the time Spree's to run Zarya real. on that map. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he was undefeated on it last year. I don't know what his record is on it this year just because everybody had to run Zarya there. But it was it was a pretty, uh, pretty fun thing to say, oh, Houston's going to Kings Row. Just chalk that up to a win because Spree's coming in. <laughs> <laughs> all right and lastly we've got havana junkertown and route 66 as our new escort maps and that means Watchpoint, gibraltar and dorado are gone havana is growing quickly i think on everyone i think a lot of teams are enjoying playing that yeah um i i do enjoy the outside inside to outside aspects of it because there are actually three very different segments of the map yeah, it's that you like have three to three mini maps within. A yes, yes, you have to operate very differently within each section of the map, which I personally I think is a really cool thing. Route sixty six, kind of whatever. Um, that second point is is pretty brutal, and then Junkertown is the clown fiesta that everybody loves to hate. <laughs> it's just it just is a map where it's like just do whatever, guys. Just pirate ship. That's the only way yeah, to be. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that's the uniqueness of the map. It's the only map really like that where you can say, just go out there, do whatever, play your best hero. It should work. We hope it works, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, Havana is probably the one I want to see more of. So I hope we get a good rotation with Havana up more often than not. I don't know how they actually break out the numbers on it. But between Havana and Route 66, we should be fine. Hopefully Junkertown doesn't show up but too often. And when it does, just kind of sit back and wait for people to get closer towards the end of the second point and into the third point. All right. Now, this one I have questions about. I have looked everywhere that I can look, and I cannot possibly find any information about what patch Stage 4 is actually getting played on. Now, there is an Overwatch League article that came out talking about the season playoffs. 
and talking about patch 1.39 being applied to the seasonal playoffs because they're still waiting for some hero balance changes to play out. If that is true, then 1.39, which is roll lock, was not actually applied to stage four, and the characters, or excuse me, the players are just basically playing by the rules of the Overwatch League at this point. What that also means is that there are a significant number of changes that have not made it into the game that will make it in the season playoffs. And for stage four, as much as I can tell, the two biggest changes are that Baptiste now has two extra heal shots and probably one of the biggest changes in a long time to D.Va, which is the fact that her defense matrix has had its length reduced from 15 meters down to 10 meters. So she cannot prevent you from yeeting in your blizzard from across the map. I don't know either. I really thought these hero changes had gone in uh, for stage four, even without like the roll lock necessarily patch being a part of it. I thought they had put the hero portion of that in, but obviously we have no confirmation either way. The D.Va mate defense matrix is actually a really big change. I don't think it's going to deter teams from using D.Va, especially when they have really good D.Va players. Fury comes to mind, Space, Choyobin. Uh, it is going to reduce, obviously, the number of times that they make a huge play and eat an ultimate. Yeah. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Eh, probably indifferent. Just changes the way I think D.Va's have to be played. So you got to be a little, a little closer to eat those abilities, which is you know, just inquires more skill. I, I would assume the number of alts that get eaten or projectiles in total that get eaten obviously dr drops, but I expect to also see some seriously big plays from those guys as they adjust to that five meter difference. Um, I would expect Fury to find his way to eat plenty as he goes around. <laughs> but um, that's the biggest change for me. The heal ammo doesn't bother me, but so much, um, or the ultimate being bumped up by 10 seconds Baptiste ultimates up like every 30, 40 seconds anyway when you focus healing with him anyway. So I think the, extra two, the extra two heals makes it feel a little bit more fluid between his cooldowns. Because so his his abilities are pretty lengthy cooldowns. His area yeah. heal and his the immortality frisbee yeah. are pretty lengthy. So having that extra two in there to kind of bridge the gap feels a little bit better. Yeah, he should become a more viable support and what i mean by that is teams can say okay we can certainly run him and heal just as easily with him as we can with other supports zenyatta not necessarily a mercy because she's focused on that um but zenyatta moira even anna potentially so it just gives you that that flexibility to say do we want to run baptiste for these other things and it certainly makes a difference when you're talking about bunkering if you actually come out with a full bunker and he's got all that healing to just throw down on, on a bastion over a standing still, and then you can still use the immortality field and then have plenty of heals left over to go by the time the immortality field runs out and the cooldown comes back up. So that could be a huge thing. Uh, I'm still waiting to see how many teams decide to use him more frequently because I still think teams are underutilizing his his potential right now. All right, everybody, we hope that you enjoyed our a little bit late to the party stage four changes. Maybe these give you a little bit of a different perspective, kind of see our take on it, and you can bring that into week two of stage four. Coming up next from us, you can expect a recall on week one, 
which will be fun to, to get into the matches and kind of see how all of these changes played out. If you enjoy the content, please give us a follow on Spotify Podcast, Apple Podcast. Wow. Is there just a podcast app? There probably is. I mean, it has to probably, be. Probably. <laughs> on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, you can follow us there. Please follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whichever one you like, or all three. And then you can find us at Break It Down OWL. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email it to us, breakitdownowl at gmail.com. We will catch you all in the recall.